turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, uh, and, and we're, gonna, we're going to look at a few verses there. But I want to talk to you a little bit. This is, this is a season of thanksgiving. And I think before we go into the Word this morning, what I thought we might do, has anyone ever sat around a Thanksgiving table and, and the food's sitting there really hot and then there's that one person that says, now before we eat, we're going to go around the table and we're going to say the things that we're thankful for and you're like, the turkey is good and cold. I'm going to be thankful for hot turkey. You know? But here's what I want us to do before we get into the Word this morning. And, and, and I, I want us to uh, take a minute, and I just want us to lay our Bibles down. I want us to lift up our hands, and I want us to begin to thank God. And I want you to thank God for whatever you can think of that you need to be thankful for. All right? Just take a few minutes and begin to thank Him. Lord, we're so thankful that we have our health. And, and we're so thankful that we live in a nation where we're free to worship You. And Lord, we're so thankful that we are able to worship together in this place. And, and we're thankful for this church that You've given us, uh, this building that You've given us to worship in. And Father, we're thankful for the relationships that we have in this body, Lord Jesus. And we're we're thankful for our family, and we're thankful, Lord, for our loved ones. Father, we're so thankful this season, and let us enter this season, Lord, and this week of Thanksgiving, and let us not just be haphazard, Lord Jesus, or lighthearted about the fact that every good and every perfect thing is from above and comes down from You, Lord Jesus. And so, Lord, we are determined this morning to express to You, we are so thankful, Lord Jesus. Father, we praise You, Lord God, for every good thing that You have bestowed upon us for every blessing that you have given us father we are so thankful that you have given us all things that pertain the word says all things that pertain to life and godliness we are so thankful so lord we enter this day uh, we enter this moment with a spirit of thanksgiving and the word tells us that in everything we're to give thanks and to give thanks at all times lord jesus and so, Lord, we, we, uh, we set our heart to be thankful this morning for what You have done in us. And we give You praise for it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Here's what I'm going to do today. I want to challenge you. I, I really want to uh, challenge us as a church and as individuals, uh, that as we enter the holiday season, and as we come upon Thanksgiving, and then we enter into Christmas, you understand we're not living in the same culture we were even five years ago, uh, uh, certainly eight years ago, ten years ago, that the culture that we live in has changed. And uh, the culture that we now live in is a culture that <clears throat> historically is, is described as a pluralistic society. We have primarily grown up in a society that was primarily Christian. You, 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 our parents and our grandparents grew up in what was known as a Christian nation. And you understand that whether you like it or not, that has changed. And, and regardless of the foundation on which we stand and the way that this nation was built, we now live in what is known as a pluralistic society. And, and so there are uh, all kinds of people in, in... There's always been freedom of religion in this nation, and there's always been within this nation people who believed all kinds of things and worshipped all kinds of gods in little pockets and places around the nation. And now, uh, the day that we have arrived in is that we're in a pluralistic society where there are uh, many belief systems, where there are, where, where there are uh, many, um, they call them uh, systems of faith or, or faith uh, um, 
ways of believing or whatever, uh, but we understand that we are serving Jesus, we're serving God, and he said, you will have no other gods before me. So we find ourselves in a day and in a time that Israel found themselves in when they came into, uh, the, when they came into the land uh, and they, uh, the, the Bible told them, when you go in and when you are among other nations, you don't serve their gods, you don't follow their ways, you don't do the things that they do, you don't live the way that they live, you follow me. We find ourselves in that place right now. And, and, and regardless of that, I, I actually find this to be the most challenging time to be alive. I'm not upset about it other than I w- would really like uh, to know that my children were growing up in the, in, the, in the nation that I grew up in, and I know that that's not the case, and your grandchildren are not gr- growing up in the same uh, country or the same political environment or anything else that you grew up in. Things have changed. And I, I assure you, I don't want to put a big heavy on the day because I'm not, I'm not depressed about it at all. I'm encouraged. Because the Word says, where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. The Word tells us that when Jesus said, to the, when you see these things coming upon the earth, lift up your head. We're, 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 in, a, we're in a culture that right now is, is living in a place of depression and frustration. And the Word tells us, lift up your head. He's coming again. Lift it, get excited. It's the best time to be alive. It's a wonderful time. And we have the greatest opportunity to evangelize the earth that we have ever had in our, in our whole history. Christians have gone all over the world out of this nation to evangelize, and now America has become a mission field. And God has planted us. I'm so thankful that He decided that I was going to arrive on the earth in the day and time when I would be living in the midst of a mission field. America, for generations past, have cried out and asked God for the nations. And the Word says, if you ask for the nations, I'll give them to you as an inheritance. And I believe that all of the nations that have come in and made America the melting pot that it is have come in because we've asked for the nations and He's given them to us as an inheritance. When you look at that individual who's so different than you are, who has come, doesn't speak your language and, and you know nothing about them, look at them through the eyes of Jesus and say, that's my inheritance. Just like Jesus looks at you and He says, you're my inheritance. So you look at the nations of the world that are around us and that have gathered into this place and you say, ah, that's my inheritance. I'm going to come and I'm going to lead you to Jesus. I'm going to show you Jesus. I'm going to live Jesus in front of you. And, and God's given us the nation. So, I'm, you know, so during the holiday season in a pluralistic society, when everyone is, uh, is uh, offended at the word Merry Christmas and, and, and all of that, and they want you to say Happy Holidays, and they moved, changed all the festivals at the school from the Christmas celebration to the fall festival, uh, and all of those things, and all of the, the, the politically correct terminology has changed in our society and what you should say and what you shouldn't say. In this season, you have the greatest opportunity as a believer to be effective in the kingdom of God and to do the work of the kingdom and to accomplish what God assigned you to accomplish in the earth than you've ever had before. Isn't that wonderful? You're like, I don't know, I like to go back to the way things were. Well, that's what Israel did. They cried over the leeks and onions of Egypt. They wanted to go back. But in God, there's never going back. I'm not going back. Going forward. Amen? 
So in the, in the holiday season, we have an opportunity to fulfill the Great Commission. We have an opportunity to fulfill our assignment. The, the reality of it is, the Lord never asked us to do anything that we could not do. He only asked us to do the things He was fully uh, intent upon equipping us and giving us the ability to do. Amen? You're like, this is not how I wanted to spend my Christmas. Don't you understand? I just want to light the fireplace. Sit under the light of the tree. This is a time for us to lift up our eyes. To see things in our world the way God sees them. Show up at prayer and to intercede for the nation. Call upon God for a move of God in the earth and then ask Him how we can be a part of that move. Man, I'm preaching. I haven't even read my scripture yet. I want to challenge you with these words. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we're going to begin with verse 5. There was actually kind of an argument within the church uh, that brought about this discussion. And uh, how many have ever had an argument? Church was having an argument. Uh, let's read this. Uh, in verse uh, 5, he said, Who then is Paul, or who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed as the Lord uh, gave uh, to each one? I planted, Apollos watered, and God gave the increase. So, that, so I want us to just stop right there, and I want to just give you the background a little bit. What was happening among the believers was that they were saying, Well, the service that I was in when when." The word was being preached, and I recognized my need for Jesus. Paul was preaching, so I'm of Paul. And someone else is saying, well, I was saved uh, down at a revival where Apollos was ministering, and he ministered the, the grace of God to me, and I received Jesus, so I'm of Apollos. And division was coming to them because of their history, because of the way that the entrance with which they came into the kingdom of God. And the Apostle Paul takes his time, the, the, the Apostle takes his time here to say, let me help you with something. Who cares? If I can put it in today's English. So he said, I planted, Apollos watered, God gave the increase. The point of uh, uh, his point right there was that the glory for you coming to God goes to God. It doesn't go to the guy who was preaching. It doesn't go to the guy who laid hands on you. It doesn't go to the guy who shook your hand and said, welcome to the kingdom. It doesn't go to that guy. It goes to Jesus. So then, we're just going to read through this maybe and I'll just preach it after, okay? So then, neither he who plants is anything nor he who waters. Listen, this is the Apostle Paul, and he's saying, I planted, that's, that's nothing, I'm nobody. Apollos watered, he's, no, he's a nobody. But God gives the increase. Verse 8 says, now he who plants and he who waters are one. The Amplified says, equal one in aim or in purpose, of the same importance and esteem. We're all laborers together for the same purpose, equal in aim, equal in purpose, equal in esteem. And each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. 
Each one will receive from the Lord the blessing according to his own investment in the kingdom of God. Uh, His own uh, part, where he was poured out for God, he'll be blessed accordingly. But I want you to hear this. I, I like that. I love the idea of being blessed. We'll talk about that in a little bit in a minute. We're going to reap some reward for the good things that we've done in the earth. But verse 9 says, For we are God's fellow workers. Have you ever considered when you're walking through the grocery store and you see someone that has a need and you take a minute and you speak into their life and you bless them and you invite them to know Jesus or you tell them about Jesus or you pour a little seed in their life as you, as you show the love of the Lord. Maybe, maybe it's just a, a, a word of kindness that, that, that you say nothing about your faith. You just show kindness. Maybe in that moment. Have you ever stopped to think you are co-laboring with God? Laura told me a story one time. I'm going to share this story. Uh, she was in, uh, you guys were in Modesto with Becky in the Walmart. Was, it was the Walmart. I love Walmart. And they were in Walmart, and these ladies come, uh, come up, and, and uh, next thing you know, uh, Becky's just talking to them and asking them where they go to church or if they go to church, and she could tell by looking at them and by what she was hearing come out of their mouth they probably didn't go to church. But nevertheless, she just, hit, she just hit them up. Hey, where are you going to church? And then she told them about a good church in Modesto where they could attend. And, and, and she said, and so Laura and her were standing there talking to these ladies and having this whole conversation. And next thing you know, Becky says, well, let's just, let's just pray. Let's just, come on, let's pray. So they just all join hands right in the middle of Walmart. Hallelujah. Call on Jesus right there. She prayed and blessed them. Yes, you've all done it. She prayed and blessed them and, and, and asked God to bless them. And, and I think there was a sick child. They, they prayed for some needs that they had and, and all that was going on. And, and Laura said as they were talking, after they finished praying, uh, they all let go of hands and they just continued conversation, except one girl just kept hanging on to Becky's hand. And the other girl says, she, she's got the stuff. That was real. And the girl goes, you ain't kidding, it was real. See, I haven't even let go of her hand yet. We're co-laborers together. And if we will live our life with the expectation that God will show up in our labor, if we'll step into it and put ourselves out there a little bit, He'll show up in the middle of our labor. I was walking down the aisle at tar- Target uh, several months ago, and there was a lady in a wheelchair. And as I walked by, I just walked by the aisle. She's in a wheelchair, and there's this lady over there, and she's got her hand on her, and she's just praying and ask God to bless her and help her and all this kind of stuff. And, and, and then as the, the lady that prayed for her walked away, and a little girl that was with the lady in the wheelchair comes and says, what are you doing? She goes, that lady wanted to bless me, so I let her. How simple is that? But yet it was an expression of the love of God. And in the middle of it, God showed up and she says, man, if somebody wants to bless me, I'm going to let him." Now I found there are some people, if you say, can I pray for you, they'll say no. So, Jesus said, if they reject you, just don't, you know, just disregard it because it's not you they're rejecting, it's me, just go on. So the word says here that we are that we are fellow workers. 
God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. Verse 10, according to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I've laid the foundation that another builds upon. This is Paul talking. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay except that which is laid in Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold or silver or precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's works will become clear. For the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it was. If anyone's work that he has built endures, he'll receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he'll suffer loss, but he himself will be saved as, uh, as if through fire. So I just want to talk to you about this passage of scripture a little bit more here. I, first of all, I want to impress upon you that we are all the same. When, when Rachel was singing and Joey was singing that song and the, the team was singing, the whole team, I guess, was singing that song. <laughs> I was hearing Joey because I, the, the, I, I know that you are for me. That, those words, I actually have that song on my iPod. That's why I knew all the words. Those words literally saved me as an individual in difficult times of my life when I thought maybe, maybe when the, when the enemy comes up, he gets up on your shoulder and he's like, he's forgotten about you. How many have ever heard that one? I know that you are for me. I know that you will not reject me because of my weakness. You see, when God looks at us, he is for every one of us. There's not an individual in the room that he is not for. So he doesn't forsake us in our weakness. The Bible tells us that when Jesus went to the cross, he took the anger of God towards sin at the cross. He took the punishment so we didn't, need to be, we didn't have to be punished. So the Lord is no longer angry at us regarding our sin. If, if somebody tells you that God is mad at you because you failed, they're lying to you. That is a doctrine of devils. That is a message straight out of the pits of hell. God is not mad at you. Don't, don't consider it a judgment from God when you reap what you sow. <clears throat> I don't even know why I said that. But I think the Holy Spirit said it. Don't consider it a judgment from the Lord when we, we, we sow seeds that produce frustration in our life and then we say, well, God must be mad at me. Yeah. No, you planted that, sweetheart. You get to plow that field, throw out some new seed. There's been times when I prayed, Lord, in my life, please don't let the wheat grow up with the tares. I know what I planted. Redeem it. But it's not a judgment from God. It's 
us producing out of our own life the things that we've sown. And we should not misinterpret that as God is mad at us. When, when, when I'm reaping what I've sown, and what I've sown, if I've sown to the wind, the word says, and I reap the whirlwind, then it's not God being <clears throat> judgment, bringing judgment on me or being mad at me. And did you know that when I'm reaping a whirlwind in my life, when I'm reaping difficulty for the choices that I have made, the heart of God is broken. What God is calling us to do is to determine that he is for us, to understand that he is with us, that he's walking with us, that he's working with us, that he is standing with us, that he's, he's believing in us. You know, Jesus went to the cross because he believed that what he wanted to accomplish in us could be accomplished. How many would go to the cross if you didn't believe it could produce what it needed to produce? So God has called you and he's gifted you and he's equipped you and he sent you in. The Lord planted you. Listen, I want you to understand this. You were not born out of time or out of season. I, I just feel that this, this is from the Lord. Just listen to this. You were not born out of time or out of season. You were born to be in the earth now. Because this is the time and the season in when you could be effective for the kingdom of God. Now. So you were not born in the wrong time or in the wrong season or in the wrong place. God brought you into this culture and into this nation and into this city so that you could live and dwell in a pluralistic society, people who have forgotten God, so that you could live among them with the word of the Lord in your mouth. Oh, some of you are looking at me like you don't believe that. Remember Bishop used to say, like a dog looking at a new dish? God brought you into the earth so that you could be effective for the kingdom of God now in your generation. So the Apostle Paul says, I'm nothing. He who plants is nothing. He who waters is nothing. We're just people. We're all the same. We're sent here by God. His favor is upon us. His delight is upon us. His desire is upon us. He wants to accomplish good things in us and through us. He wants to do good things in the kingdom of God and for the kingdom of God in and through us. He wants, he, Jesus wants the scripture to be accomplished. It said, greater works than these shall ye do because I go to my Father. I'm going to go to my Father. I'm going to deposit the Holy Spirit in you and you're going to do some big stuff. So the apostle says, he who plants is nothing, and he who waters is nothing. Did you know that the apostle explained that he himself, because of the massive amount of revelation that he was receiving as the New Testament was being written, as those letters were being written to the church, and God was giving him understanding of the kingdom of God, he said, because of the amount of revelation that I was receiving, the Lord gave me, the word says, a thorn in my flesh that he did not describe, but he said, other than to say that it, the Lord sent a, allowed a messenger of Satan to buffet me, to continually remind me that I'm nothing. 
The Lord allowed, the Apostle Paul said, I prayed, oh God, take this away from me. This, this devil won't leave me alone. This thing won't quit pressing on me. This, this uh, messenger of Satan will not quit buffeting me. Would you take it away? And the Lord said, Paul, keep it. My grace is sufficient for you. I'll strengthen you. Deal with it. Now, I wish the Lord would take every little issue away when I ask Him to take it away. And every struggle that I have, I wish the Lord would, would, would tell the enemy to, to flee. And, and when I command the enemy to go and he doesn't go, and I go to the Lord, I don't want to hear my grace is sufficient. That's one of those things in Scripture you're just going to have to embrace. But the Apostle Paul said, it was to remind me that I am flesh. And the same guy who said that comes here and says, hey, I'm nothing. And that other preacher Apollos, he's nothing. We're just throwing out seed and water. God brings the increase. One of the prayers that is being prayed over this house continually uh, and, uh, is, is that the Lord of the harvest would send laborers into the harvest, out of this house, that He would raise up in you the ability to see the field of harvest that is around you, to see the white harvest that is around you, and that He would stir you toward that harvest. So that you could see the field that you're assigned to and you can see whether it needs seed or whether it needs water and you just go to casting seed and 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 pouring out water uh we are church of living water we were not named that by accident i i the whole time that that uh when i first came to this church i was like lord there's some folks out there and you they church of living water what is that they don't understand that can't this be god's house or some Something people can understand. But the Lord named us because we are a life-giving house. Everything will live where the river flows. And so the Apostle Paul says, I want to remind you that I'm nothing. I want to remind you that... How, how, how must Apollos have felt? Apostle Paul is talking to him. I'm nothing. He's nothing. But God brings the increase. God brings the increase. I'll tell you a little testimony that I'm so excited about. The guy who painted in here, and, and uh, it's a friend of uh, Stuart and Ant, and he painted the cross the other day and did some work in here helping us freshen up a little bit more and touching up some paint that we destroyed while the carpet was being uh, put in and such. And, and he was down here, and he shared with me uh, a, a most, what I believe is the most amazing story. He, he's a drummer uh, in his church. He attends a church here in town. And he said, when I walked in and I saw him, I said, hi, how are you doing? We're having this wonderful conversation. He said, I just want you to know something. He said, I was healed right here. No one in the room. 
But because we have cultivated an environment where we lay hands on the sick and they recover, and where we believe God for miracles and signs and wonders, and where we know that God is going to move, we've cultivated an environment. You can walk in here any day of the week and God is here to meet with people. And He's in here working and walking up and down the steps and the pain left His body. So I was healed right here. No one laid hands on me. No one said a word. He said, maybe I ought to be in this church. And I said, take it to your house. Take it to your house. Well, there are some pastors that say, maybe you ought to think about that. No, take it to your house. Let it flow out of this place. We are co-laborers together with God. We are God's fellow workers. We are, we, we are you, you know, Jesus said, I'm, I'm going, I'm repeating this, this verse, I'm going where the Father's going, I'm saying what the Father's saying, I'm doing what the Father's doing. And, and then we are, we're like, well, God, what are you, are you doing? Are you, are, you, are you doing anything today? What are you doing today? Where do I go? No, you know, I want to help you with something. God is always calling sinners to repentance. God is always calling people who do not know Him into His presence. God's always calling people who know Him to a deeper relationship with Him. You can find somebody who knows Jesus and you can just get up next to Him and encourage Him a little bit and pour out a little living water on them and, and speak into their life a little bit and encourage them and strengthen them. The Father is always trying to build up someone who's in a place of brokenness and a place of heaviness and a place of weariness. And you can find those people around you every day of the week. You can find someone who's unlovely and rejected that the world has turned their back on and cast them aside uh, uh, upon the, 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 the throwaway pile of life and you can go and you can draw them out and you can say, no, there's something good here. There's something good deposited in this individual that God wants to draw out of them. You start speaking uh, life to folks and man, they'll, just, they'll, they'll receive it. I've watched and participated in praying for pastors in the city who do not believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, who do not believe in the, that the gifts are for today, and I've watched and helped and walked with Bishop Halverson as we've walked around and laid hands on them and prayed for them and prophesied to them and encouraged them. And they're like, oh, thank you, Jesus. I don't even believe this stuff. It's so good. And when you have conversation with someone who does not know God, who's never met Jesus, and the Lord gives you the ability in that conversation to hit the nail on the head and to speak life into that situation, that individual is sitting there saying, how did you know that? And what we're not realizing is, is that that would happen every day of the week if we if we will open up our mouth and take the opportunity to speak into the lives of others and co-labor with God in the earth. Praise the Lord. In Mark 16 and 20, the word says, the disciples went forth and preached everywhere the Lord working with them. 
I believe you ought to underline that in your Bible. I think you ought to turn to Mark uh, 16 and, and verse 20, and you ought to highlight it and underline it and memorize it, and, and maybe you ought to type it up in bold print and tape it up on your refrigerator so every time you go in there to get a yogurt, you can see it. The Lord working with them. Confirming the word with signs following. So listen to this. And this is the reason that the apostle was able to say, I'm nothing and Apollos is nothing. He says, we're co-laborers with God. We're co-laborers with God. But, you're God's field. Next statement he makes. You're God's field. And you're God's building. Do you know how many blessings we talk ourselves out of because we believe that we don't have everything that we need right now or that we need one more bit of understanding or we need one more bit of anointing or we need one more bit of this or one more bit of that before we can be effective in the earth. Do, you, do, you not, do we not understand that if we needed it, God would have already put it in there. We're His field. We're His building. We're His workmanship, the Word says. We're, our development, our, our ability to come along in, in the things of the Lord, that's up to Him. He went to it when, the, when the old prophet went to the widow woman, and uh, he said, she said, I'm poor and I'm broke and I have nothing. Do you know He did not give her something else that she did not already have? He said, I want you to go into your house and I want you to figure out what you do have. Well, all I've got is a little bit of oil. Oh, hallelujah. Those five foolish virgins would have loved to have a talk with her. All I've got is a little bit of oil. All right, you get your hand on every vessel, every pot. He put her in the oil business. He, do you realize that he made her an entrepreneur? The next morning she was self-employed. Amen. She went from having nothing. But she had to use what she had already deposited within her reach. And God is calling us as a people in the earth to use what we have already deposited, already within our reach. You don't need one more thing to be effective in the kingdom of God. You have all of Jesus. You have all of the Holy Spirit. You have all of the anointing that you're ever going to have. Now the grace will increase. Scripture says we go from grace to grace. But the anointing is deposited in you. The Holy Spirit resides in you. And we don't get more of Him. There's nothing in Scripture to indicate that you get more of the Holy Spirit. He came, He moved in, He dwelt. He didn't leave His legs at home. He didn't leave His eyes at home. He didn't leave his arms at home. All of him came in, right? 
Every bit of him came in. So you have all of God in you that you're ever going to have. What you and I must learn to do is to walk in the grace that is given us, to to use what God has deposited within us, and to do our best with that, and then let Him increase the grace to do more. And this is what always kind of gets me in the kingdom of God. Every time, every time the Lord gives us assignments and we move in those assignments and, and, and we get to the point, every time I've ever gotten to the point in my life where I'm like, God, I am so tired and I am so busy and I am so full. You know what the Lord always says to me? Get ready, you're about to get busier. I have never had the Lord say, well, go on vacation. Right? Have you ever had the Lord say that? Now he said, be wise and rest and do, the, you know, do the, the, the wisdom things that you need to do. But the Lord always says, I'm about to add more to you. And with that, I add more grace. And I want the Lord to open our eyes and cause us to realize that we are co-laborers with Christ in the earth. That we're nothing. Now, the, Jesus said, I'm the vine and you're the branches. And out, apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you'll wither and you'll die. You won't produce anything. But connect it to me. So that's what the the apostle is saying here. So we're to never forget you're God's field. Or that you're God's building. Remember the first uh, congregation that we pastored years ago? That was our training ground. The Lord sent us there because we didn't know what we were doing. And... uh, he sent, then, then we realized that we didn't know what we were doing and we were never going to know what we were doing. And when we got our head around that, he actually gave us an assignment. But in that first congregation that I pastored, little church, and I mean little, little. And uh, so many things that, that as a pastor you would look at and you'd say, oh, I had a list of things we needed, miles long. And people would come. When people come and visit and they leave and you're embarrassed because you didn't have what they needed, you know, that's how it felt. We don't feel that way anymore. But I was at the, before the Lord one day and I was doing my regular complaining. We're having our, our complaint session. <laughs> There's one in the Old Testament. Go read it. The, 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 the prophet would make his complaint and then the Lord would answer his complaint. That's how the word says it, right? So God and I were having my complaint session. And the Lord was saying, have I ever left you without anything that you needed? And I'm going, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this. And the Lord would ask again, have I ever left you without anything that you needed? The Lord, I need this and I need this. Have I ever left? You know, when the Lord starts repeating himself, you're in trouble. (laughs) Slow down. Because he's repeating himself, especially if you ask him a question, he gives you the, the same response. Then you ask it another way, he gives you the same response. You ask it another way, he gives you the same response. God is trying to get something through your head. And I realized in that prayer, in that time, that I was very thick-headed. Because the Lord said to me, have I ever left you without anything that you needed? And I had to come to the place in that, in that prayer time that I said, no, you really haven't left me without anything that I needed. And then the Lord took me to the verse that says that you have all sufficiency in all things. And the Lord caused me to discover that if there's something in my life that I think I need, that He has not yet given me or deposited in my life, then under, in His understanding and from His perspective, I simply don't need it right now. 
Because in him I have all sufficiency in all things. I lack no good thing in him. Where we get into trouble is when we begin, I'm going, oh, Lord Jesus, help me. Stop me, honey. When we start comparing ourselves among ourselves, then you can go to God and you can say, well, she has a better house than I do. And he drives a better car than me. And then we could get into a great... But the, the Word tells us you do not compare yourself amongst yourselves. You set yourself up next to Jesus and you look at yourself in light of Jesus. The day you start struggling in God with I can't do what you called me to do or I can't be the mouthpiece that you called me to be because I'm not like Benjamin or I'm not like Anthony or I'm not like Mary or I'm not like somebody else. The day that you do that, you are, you are destroying your ability to move forward in God. You will stop right there and you will go no further. God has deposited within you that which you need to be what you need to be in the earth. And it may very well be that what the the assignment that is around you, when you have fulfilled that assignment, He will change your circumstances dramatically. Isn't that encouraging? It's the truth. So if you're stuck in one place, and you're not progressing forward, and you've really concluded that, then get before the Lord and ask Him where in your life is the assignment, the issues that are unaddressed that He's trying to address with you. What are the things, Lord, you're trying to say to me or in me and through me that move me on from where I am and cause me to begin to move forward again? Because we're co-laborers with Him. And you're His building. And if you believe that something is lacking in the building of your life or in the field of your... If you believe something's lacking in your field, then you go to Him and you say, why is this not yet deposited in me? When can this be deposited in me? You know, the Lord Lord will talk to you about that stuff. I've had people tell me they've never heard the Lord speak to them, and I'll say, well, then you haven't asked him the right questions, have you? Maybe you're talking to him about things that are, he's wanting to talk to you about something else. There's been so many times that I've prayed. I went to the Lord, and I've prayed, and I've begun to talk to him about the things that were troubling me, and the Lord's response was completely off topic. You ever have those conversations? Okay, he's not senile, and I'm, I don't think I am. But if the Lord begins to speak to you about something that is completely off topic, then take the thing that you are discussing with Him and set it aside for a moment. Have a conversation with Him that He wants to have. But most of the time, the conversations that God wants to have with us are not conversations we particularly want to have. You ever discovered that? A lot of times the conversations that God wants to have with you is not a conversation you particularly want to have with Him. Lord, I I don't want to talk to you about my mess. I want to talk to you about straightening out that guy that I'm working with. 
have never prayed for an employer or a fellow laborer at work, but what God didn't deal with me and my attitude. Didn't change them at all. We're co-laborers together. We're fellow workers with God. I believe that we need to discover in life that we are fellow laborers with God. That we, we are not just, uh, we're, we're not just passing through this life. We're not born, uh, grow up, get a job, get married, have a few kids, buy a house, buy a car, leave it to our kids, die, and, and go on to the grave with, with no, no impact. We're co-laborers with God. The day you arrived on this planet, you arrived here with a purpose from God. The sad reality in our generation is that many people live their life and die without ever discovering that they had a purpose from God, without ever tapping into and touching upon the reality that God had called them and God had gifted them and God had equipped them for a kingdom purpose in the earth. But you, it is not so with you. You're here in the house of the Lord. You've received Jesus. The anointing of the Lord is upon you. And you have have discovered that there is a purpose from God for your life. And there's an assignment from God for you. There's someone right next to you right now. Right now. There's someone in your life that is within your reach that your assignment is to strengthen and encourage or, or bring to Jesus or lead them, some, lead them along in some way toward the kingdom of God. There's someone in your life somewhere. God has tuned their ear to your voice. And if I knock on their door and I say, well, I'm here from Church of Living Water and I wanted to give you my card and I want to invite you to church and I want to tell you that Jesus loves you, I'm just going to make them mad. I'm going to interrupt. They're cooking their dinner and I'm interrupting them. I did that one time. I knocked on a lady's house. I knocked on a lady's door. Just came by to invite you to church. And I hear this, in the background. And she said, you just woke up my baby. (laughs) Needless to say, she didn't come to church. But their ear is tuned to your voice. And they'll receive you. They don't know me from the man on the moon, but they'll receive you. And God didn't call me to pray for them and to lay hands on them and to witness to them and to share Jesus with them. He called you to do that. And he equipped you to do that. And he gave you a grace in their life where you're received warmly and they'll believe what you have to say and they honor what comes out your mouth and they trust what you, what you say. God's tuned their ear to your voice. Now, the Apostle Paul acknowledged his work in verse 10. He said, According to the grace of God which was given me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. But he says, another is building on it. And that's another thing I want you to discover. This is so important in the kingdom of God. The Apostle Paul says, I've laid a foundation, and now these guys are coming along, they're preaching the gospel, they're, they're pastoring the church, they're leading the people, they're building on the foundation that I laid. And what the Lord is showing us in that picture is that in your life, 
You're either laying a foundation or building a building in the kingdom in your life and someone's going to come along and follow in the work that you're doing. Someone's going to come along and follow in the assignment that you have. And they've got to, they've got to follow what you put down. And the Apostle Paul was really bold. He says, I laid the foundation as a master builder. He said, I was grace. I did a good job. I'm nobody, but I did what I was supposed to do. And there's a foundation here for someone to build on. And I understand. I always think, I, listen, I'm so grace, gracious to, uh, and, and I love uh, Pastor Halverson so much because we are standing on the foundation that he built in Church of Living Water. And every time we build and every time we do anything for the kingdom, I'm reminded of the foundation that is under our feet because someone was faithful. Well, in your life, in the life of your children, you are building in the life of your extended family, in the life of your loved ones, you are, you are doing a work, whether you believe it or not, or whether you even recognize it or not. You're having influence. Yes. But if you recognize that you're called of God and assigned of God, and that you have a kingdom assignment, and that you have a, a, a gift from God and an anointing from God to do the work, you'll do it well. So that whoever comes behind you can continue the work with excellence. That's why he said, some people sow seed, some people water. God brings the increase. So he says, I've laid a foundation and, and others are building on it. And he said, I want to challenge you here. Be careful how you build. I want to challenge you this morning, church. We must be careful how we build. When you're building into the life of someone else, you must be careful how you build. And a lot of times in, in, our, in our moments of frustration and in our moments of, of, of humanness, and thank God for His grace that He helps us, but we go into the lives of others and then we're not so gracious and not so representative of the gospel and not so representative of the good things of God. And we build in their life something that cannot remain. Or something that cannot produce fruit. You've been around those people that have, that have received from the life of another believer something that was not fruitful and thereby they are repelled by you. You ever been around somebody like that? If that's your God, I don't want any part of it. You ever heard anybody say that? Because of the influence that another believer had on them or someone who loved Jesus had on them, a negative, a negative influence that produced a bitterness in their life toward the things of the Lord because they thought, well, if that's what a Christian is, I don't want any part of it. And we have to go clean up behind that. You and I are assigned to love behind that. There was a man one time in our church, and I'll close with this, in our congregation that... Uh, that uh, was, uh, I think I'll close with this. There was a, there, there was a man uh, that, that uh, he was part of our church, or his wife, his wife was part of our church, and he was raised, I, I think I've probably shared this story before, he was raised in a time and in a season when divorce was like the worst thing in the world that you could do, and if you're divorced, uh, that's, that's terribly difficult thing to go through, and uh, we bless you that God has restored you, and, and, and just get on with Jesus, amen? But, but um, he wouldn't go to church because he was judged by the church when he went through that experience of divorce. 
And his story was such that I believe if I were, if most people were, if most people were who had to live through what he had to live through, they would have got divorced too. So, I mean, his story made sense to, to the average person. But he wouldn't, he wouldn't fellowship with the church because the church had, in his generation and in that time had been so hard on him about that experience. And I said to him, would you receive from me in behalf of of the church, an apology. Would you just let me tell you that we love you and we're sorry that those who are part of us injured you? Kid, we're all one. So if somebody wreaks havoc on someone and, they, and, the, and, the, and they're a follower of Jesus and they put a bitter taste in someone's mouth regarding the kingdom, then we have to love through that. So I said, just receive, receive my love and, 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 and know that I'm not throwing stones at you. And God loves you, and we love you, and we just want you to be a part of us. And that's all I said to him. But it was just a restorative moment where someone from the kingdom of God had really done a bad job (laughs) representing the heart of Jesus. We're co-laborers with God to accomplish his purpose in the earth. We in ourselves are nothing but God wants to give increase out of our life. So Paul said, I've laid a foundation. Be careful how you build on it. When he says for us to be careful how we build, he's telling us to be intentional. Be intentional. What does that mean? Well, that may be, that'll mean different things to different people depending on, on your life and, and who you are and what, where you labor and where you have exposure and who God brings into your sphere of influence. But the intentional part, being careful how we build, is us saying to the Lord, Lord, I am assigned by you. Pastor said that the Holy Spirit is in me. I'm not going to get more anointing than I have today. So what's my assignment? If my assignment crosses, most of the time, you know, the Lord doesn't tell us, uh, I want you to go over here. I want you to go two blocks up, turn left. Go three blocks over, turn right. I want you to go to the third door on the left. And, you know, he doesn't do that. Most of the time, the assignment that is from God happens along the way. And a lot of times we discover afterwards that we've been involved in an assignment that was from God, that he was co-laboring with us. But we were careful to show the love of God and to show the grace of God and to show the strength of the Lord and to embrace someone and to, and to encourage them along. So the apostle says, just be careful. Be intentional how you build. Make sure that what you're building will produce fruit. Make sure it's something that will last. And he goes on, he says, uh, this is a very encouraging scripture to me. He says that if you're building with wood, hay, and uh, stubble, then when the fire is put to it, it's going to be burned up. But if you're, if you're building with gold and, and, and uh, precious stone, if you're building with things that can endure the fire, then you have a reward. Well, man, that ought to just light your fire, right? That ought to just set you up. I want a reward. Lord, I want to be intentional about what you've assigned me to do. I want to finish the assignment. I want to do the task. I want to, to please you in the earth, and I want to lead people to Jesus. I want to represent the kingdom of God well. I want to change my city for God. I want to change my family for God. I want to change my neighborhood for God. I want to change my workplace for God. I want to be a representative of the kingdom of God wherever I go. 
I'm co-laboring with you. I, I wish everybody just kind of write a note to yourself and put it up all over your house and on the dash of your car. So you can drive down the road and think, I'm a co-laborer with God. You probably respond differently next time you get cut off on the freeway. <laughs> I'm a co-laborer with God. I'm going to love this culture into the kingdom. And if there's somebody that doesn't know Jesus or doesn't believe in Christianity or doesn't know what Jesus did on the cross for them, I'm going to love them into the kingdom. I'm going to believe they're my inheritance. I'm going to believe that God sent them into my life for the reason of representing Him. Amen. 